Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today, we are studying the prophet Ezekiel chapter 40, which, uh, that's the Navi Yechezkel Parak Mem. This is Saul Weiner, the host of the podcast. Chapter 40 continues the prophecies of redemption and resurrection, and the prophecies of the return of the exile. However, this begins the series of several chapters in which Yechezkel, Ezekiel, describes the building of the third temple and what the building will look like. To a large degree, many of, of the upcoming chapters, including the one we're about to read today, go into nitty-gritty details of descriptions of measurements and buildings and rooms and gates and so on building materials as we shall learn so so many of the commentaries note that it seems that Yechazkel when he describes this building deliberately seems to leave out details so that it would seem that if this was actually instructions for the building of the third temple such as he was actually giving the measurements of how to build it and so on there are many critical details that are left out, which makes it impossible to actually use these coming chapters as a way to build the actual third temple. So if you were to say, get together a group of people and decide, let's build the third temple and use the prophet's description here to build it, it would be impossible. We'll notice some of these things as we go along. Um, and many commentaries assume that he did this because, and as we'll see, the emphasis of the prophet is, is that these buildings are built by God. That their temple is built by God in the redemption. These buildings are not meant to be built by human beings. Until, of course, the time has come when God tells us and God builds the building and instructs us on what to do. So this wasn't meant as a blueprint so that we should take this blueprint and build. Because the time of the redemption is the time of God's choosing. And this is an emphasis which we've had in the last several chapters if you've been studying that the redemption comes when God brings the people back. The redemption comes when God gathers the nation together. The redemption comes when God is the one that purifies us from our sins. And this was the crucial idea of humility, that it's not our power, it's not our might, it's not our greatness that makes it happen, but it is purely the mercy and the kindness and the, and the justice of God that brings us back to our land and reestablishes a righteous kingdom under a righteous leader and thus sanctifies his name in this world so that all the nations of the world learn this lesson. So in this context, we can go ahead and read the building of the third temple. We can read his description. There's another point that I want to make before we read this that is that I believe is crucial. Those of you that have been following along with me in this podcast realize that I, I rarely draw upon mystical sources as a, as a uh, source for the prophets that we're reading. And the reason for that is because most of the prophets, most of it, with some exceptions, such as the, uh, but I'm talking not Ezekiel, the other prophets, Occasionally, like we had in the, part, in the sixth chapter of Isaiah, where Isaiah describes his ascent to heaven in a vision, 
where you, you have them describe the mystical experiences. But most of the time the prophets are speaking in this world and they're giving messages from God to the people as they live in this world and they don't specifically touch upon mystical experiences. Ezekiel, though, on the other hand, has more often uh, than, much more often than the other prophets, described uh, the, the chariot of God as we had in the first chapter and his visions as he ascended into heaven and the, his visions of God taking him to Jerusalem, to the temple. And, and here we're going to, this chapter 40, we're going to be reading a mystical vision, but Ezekiel is going to go into the details of the buildings that he sees, of the temple that he sees, and its construction. This is a very common and accepted mystical construct. The imagination of palaces, or the, or the, or the image of palaces that are used by a mystic as he ascends higher and higher into higher levels of heaven and closeness to God. In the Jewish tradition, we have this in what's called the Hecholot literature. These are the oldest mystical tradition in Judaism is the Hecholot literature, which means the literature of the palaces. Many books were written from the 2nd century all the way through the, the 13th and 14th century and some and that were in this considered in this genre of literature. One of the most famous is the Hecholot HaZohar, in which the uh, which is attributed to Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Ishmael, the Tanoim, the ones who lived in the time of the Mishnah in the second century, and there's uh, there's solid scholarly and archaeological evidence that this literature goes back at least to the fourth century, possibly earlier. So we do know that it is ancient, where they describe the palaces into which they ascended as they ascended towards God, uh, one uh, the first palace, the second palace, and so on. In the world mystical tradition, we find very, very similar ideas dis, uh, dis, uh, described um, specifically uh, in, the, in the Catholic world, um, of which I am not an expert in these things, but I, I have been exposed to the works of uh, St. Teresa of Avila, who wrote a book, The Interior Castle, in which she describes her ascent through prayer through the castle, through seven levels of castles until she was approached um, an intense and intimate relationship with God in the final castle. So, and we find this in many other cultures and traditions as well, this description of castles or buildings which represent the places in which the encounter between the human being and God becomes more and more intense. I think it's very important as we read these next chapters of Ezekiel to understand that this is what Yechezkel is doing. Yechezkel here is a mystic and he is ascending farther and higher and higher and closer and closer and more and more intimate until he has an experience of being with God, which we'll see several chapters from now. Understand that as Ezekiel describes the temple, it makes sense that someone who lived among castles in Europe, for example, St. Teresa, would use the image of castles, whereas Ezekiel would use the image of the Holy Temple being a Kohen himself, a priest himself, who was exiled from there. To him, the spirituality of, of his mystical experience is something that he would describe in the terms of a temple. Other mystics may describe it in terms of buildings that they were familiar with. But the experience of approaching God through these castles is a very um, basic mystical experience. And here we have 
this experience being described by the prophets in the verses of the of the writings of the prophets. So let's uh, with that introduction, I think we can begin chapter forty, which is pretty long. We may only make it through half. At some points, the details can get a little boring. I, if if, if uh, well, oh, please forgive me for saying that. Uh, however, um, it's important uh, to uh, study them and see what the kind of inspiration that we can get from these chapters. So let's begin with chapter 40, verse 1. In the 25th year from our exile. So this is a, a jump from where he was speaking before. Until now, the dating that Ezekiel used was dating from the exile of Yehoiachin, which was... Um, I forget exactly, was it 13 or 14 years prior to the destruction of the temple? And he was dating from the time when Yehoiachin was sent into exile in Babylon. But then the Beit HaMikdash, the, the temple was destroyed, Judea was destroyed, the Jews that were left, the remnant of the people in the land had completely left it and, and, and are gone. And the only significant Jewish community in the world is the community that's in Babylon. There's a small detachment that went to Egypt um, uh, which we studied in, about in the book of Jeremiah. And then there's scattered groups of, of remnants of Israel and Judah throughout the Middle East and parts of the world. But the main community now is in Babylon. So it's 25 years after the, the exile, after the complete destruction of the Beit HaMikdash of the Temple. So a time when we have very few prophets, possibly the exception of Daniel, but he didn't say too many prophecies at this time, and Yechazkel, Ezekiel, a time where the Jewish people did, were not familiar with their future. And it makes, it makes sense that this would be a time where Yechazkel would start to describe the actual rebuilding of the temple and, and, tell the, to, and to remind the people that one day it will be rebuilt. And this happened Rosh Hashanah in the first month of the year, on the 10th day of the month, which many of you may or, or may not know is the day of Yom Kippur. Um, in the 14th year, after, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. It's 25 years from Galat Yehoyachin, which is 14 years after the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash. So it's not 25 years after the destruction of the Temple, but it's 14 years after the destruction of the Temple. In the middle of this day, so he's saying it's on Yom Kippur, on the holiest day of the year, um, a day when a priest, especially one who was a priest, would be thinking about the temple service, which was the highlight of the day of Yom Kippur during the time when the temple stood, the date of the holy service that took place that time of year when the Kohen Gadol, the high priest, would approach into the Holy of Holies the one time a year when any person would ever enter the inner sanctum. But now Ezekiel is going to describe his vision of going into the Beit HaMikdash, the temple, what it looks like until he eventually gets to the inner sanctum. The hand of God was upon me. And whenever he uses that term, we have seen until now, the, the visions that he sees are so intense that he almost he feels like he can't proceed on his own and God's hand supports him and gives him the support that he needs to withstand this incredible mystical vision. And God brought me there. Where did he bring me? Bimarot Elohim in visions of God. Heviani El Eretz Yisrael. He brought me to the land of Israel. And he placed me on this high, high mountain. Now, one way of understanding this mountain would be that this mountain is Jerusalem. Another way of understanding this mountain is this mountain doesn't really exist. 
but uh, this is a mountain from which, from the vantage point from which he's able to look down upon the land of Israel um, uh, and see it. And on the top of the high mountain, there seemed to be to the south of it the form of what appeared to be a built city. Um, so is he looking down upon a city? Is that city Jerusalem? He doesn't name it. Is this high mountain actually Jerusalem from which he is looking towards the south? It's unclear. And he brought me there. And behold, there was a man. This man was shining like the shine of copper. And in his hand he had a, uh, a strap or a rope which was made of linen, ukenei hamida, and he also had a, a rod, a measuring rod, v'hu omeid bashar, and he was standing in the gate. So this man represented an angel, presumably uh, a representative of God who had the measuring stick, he had the tools, which a person who is uh, surveying an area, measuring things out in order to set it up for a building. Um... As we continue, and this man, the angel, spoke to me. I say an angel because he's seeing this man in a vision. He's seeing it in the form of a man. Presumably this is an angel of God talking to him in this vision. Ben Adam, human being. Look with your eyes. See with your eyes. Hear with your ears. And place your heart. Think in your heart. Um, anyone who has... Uh, read any of the literature describing these mystical experiences, understand that he's saying, use your senses in order to get into your heart. Feel this in the depths of your soul. Your eyes, your ears, those, that's the beginning stages uh, of, of paying attention, focusing on what you're seeing, but ultimately, place your heart. Think about everything that I'm showing you. The reason why I brought you have been brought here to this place is in order that I sh- that you should be shown these things. elevate Israel, and everything that you see, you are meant to repeat and teach to the people of Israel. and behold, what did I see? There was a wall outside the temple, the wall that surrounded it. Uviad amida, and in the hands of the man who was doing the measurements. His measurement was, um, had six amot, um, it was six amot, six cubits long, and the type of cubit that was used was an amava tofach, was a little bit larger than the standard ama, it was an ama plus the, a hand breath. And he measured the width of the building with one of the rods, the koma kana echad, and, um, uh, and and it was the height of it was also one kana. So the wall was a, uh, an am the, an, a cubit thick and a cubit high. So it was a relatively short wall and a relatively thick wall that surrounded the building. By a vote, and this is verse six. El Shar Asher Panav Derech Hakadima, and then he came to the gate that faced eastward. So this was a gate in the wall. And he went through the gate and there were stairs that led through that gate up into the building that was inside that, that, that wall. And he measured the depth of the threshold of the gate, which was also one 
of these rod, measuring rods worth wide. We had saf echad kone echad rochav, and um, and the uh, uh, threshold of one was also uh, depth. Why this is repeated is unclear. Whether there are two walls, it's unclear. But a lot of things, as I said, would be unclear. The hata and the um, the open area, the ta is like the vestibule or the open area, kana echad. So as you walked in, then there was an open area, which was also kana echad orach, but kana echad rochav, which was also one rod wide and one rod long. Uvein hatoim, and between the, these rooms were chamesh amot, were five amot. V'saf hashar me'etzel ulam hashar me'abayet kana echad. And the threshold of the gate, which was next to the Ulam, which was the next to the vestibule of the gate, um, which was uh, towards the house, towards the bayit, which is presumably the temple that is protected by this wall and this area where this the wall and these rooms was also kana echad. The fact that these are very difficult to understand, you can, if you'd like, look at some of the commentaries which try to measure these out and draw diagrams to show what they look like. But it seems pretty clear that these measurements are confusing. This is a mystical vision. This is not an architect describing how to build a building. So these are the things that he's seeing, and these are the things that he's describing. That's verse 8. And he measured the inner ulam, the inner vestibule, which was also another rod. Verse 9. And then he measured the the vestibule of the gate. It seems to be the same one, which he just measured, which was one, is now Shmona Amot, is now eight Amot. The Elav, Shtaim Amot. And the the Elim are strong supports that hold up this room and hold up this area. They were two Amot, two cubits tall, V'ulam Hashar Me'abayit. And the vestibule of the gate was at the, was was facing the inner side. So you have to imagine this as a mystical vision. He's seeing these things one after another and just describing what he's seeing. hashar, and I'm not going to go into the the uh, you know mystical meaning behind each one because these are things that if you just close your eyes and try to imagine where he's taking you, what he's seeing, you will have a much easier time getting value from these words than if you try to draw out a diagram and measure it, but you're welcome to do it that way if that's what what suits your heart. This is verse 10. Again, the rooms of the gate, Derech HaKadim, which were near the east side, Shiloshomi Po, there was three rooms, Ushloshomi Po, and three rooms on the other side, Mida Achas they were all similar in size, Mida Achas and the supports that held it up were also one measurement. So we find he's talking about walls of protection. He's talking about gates through which we ascend. There are stairs through which we ascend. That those are visions. Those are mystical visions of ascending towards God, creating a wall to protect between the place of God and the outside world, keeping out the outside influences, keeping out the things that distract one from, from worshiping God. And then those buildings that are in there, they require supports. They require strong alim, strong supports, which... which um, which th- those are the supports within our souls that give us the strength to be with God, give us the strength to own up to our, our issues, our problems, give us the strength to be honest with ourselves, give us the strength to approach God in this vision. There are rooms. Each room has something for us within it to learn from, something us f- within that room which we are supposed to contemplate, which we are supposed to learn. 
and those rooms are supported by these supports. Vayomad, this is verse 11, at Rochav Pesach Hashar Eser Amos, and the, the measurement of the, the width of the opening gate was 10 Amot, Orach Hashar Shlosh Amos, and the, the length of the gate itself was 13 Amot. Again, these measurements don't necessarily make sense. And the boundary which was before the, the, the open air, room areas was one cubit. And it had another boundary of, of one cubit here. And then the open area was six amot in one direction and six amot cubits in the other direction. So then this, this man, this angel is still measuring and he measured the gate from the roof of this room to its roof was 25 cubits and there was a doorway within a doorway which is also a very common mystical idea when you walk through one doorway and another doorway each doorway representing leaving one level and entering another level closer, to, closer towards the essence closer towards the experience of closeness to God. And these big supports were built 60, to, 60 cubits tall. And the, the aisle of the, um, of the, which supported the chatzar, which is the big yard, which he's going to enter soon. Hashar Saviv Saviv was, there was uh, a, um, a gate um, next to the uh, the support of the chatzar, of the yard, all around it. The distance from the front of the outer gate to the front of the inner vestibule was 50 cubits. And then he describes another vision, which is another common vision which we see in descriptions of these things. The windows, there was windows that had uh, frames that were framed windows that opened into these open rooms. The El Elehema and towards their supports, Lifnima on the inside, Lishar Saviv Saviv of the gate all around, Bechainla Elamos, and there was also um, in the other open areas, the Elam here is, uh, is, is, is Elam with a mem at the end, is, is like the word Ulam, which is a vestibule. The chalonot and windows saviv saviv lepnima all around on the inside. The el ayel timorim, and its supports was a, was decorated with date trees, with date palm trees, with the images of date palm trees engraved into those supports. So now, so um, I'm going to learn just a few more verses. This is a long chapter. Uh, and God brought me to the outer chatzar. So I went through this entire, all of these structures and rooms were the first level that I went through in order to get into the chatzar, into the chatzar, which is the, the courtyard. Okay, so all of this, he's not yet into the temple, but he's moving in stages towards the temple, towards the, the holier and holier portions, which is typically how these castles are described one by one getting more and more holy on a higher and higher level. So he brought me to the outer chatzar, to the outer yard, and there, behold, there were rooms there, and there was also a, a ritzpah, which is a floor, paved floor, a soila chatzar, which the entire courtyard was paved, presumably with like some kind of stone pavement on the floor, and 
this ritzba, the floor and the courtyard was divided into 30 different rooms. Uh, because there's about 40 verses in this chapter, I'm going to read three more. I'm up to verse 18 now until we get to 20, and then we'll stop and leave the rest of the chapter for the next podcast. And the floor, the pavement of the floor, was on the shoulders of the gates, in other words, on the sides of the gates, opposite the length of the gates, was the lower level of pavement. He measured the width of the lower chatzar, because there's going to be a higher chatzar that we're going to get to, which was in front of the inner gate, and he measured it all the way to the front of the outer gate, which was the first gate he came into, was 100 cubits long. So this is a very large paved outdoor courtyard area, which is also divided into the shachos, into rooms. And the other gate, which faced the north direction, which also faced the outer courtyard, he measured its length and width. We're going to do just a little more. As he measured its length and width, in verse 21, its rooms also had three on this side and three on this side. And it supports the Elamav and its vestibules. Had similar measurements to the first gate, which I described to you before, that faced southward. 50, 50 cubits long, and its width was 25 amot. And it also had windows of chalonav, its windows of elamav, and its vestibules of and its supports that were decorated as palm trees, or it could mean that there were actual palm trees used for support. Kimida Tashar was the same measurements as the gate, Asher Panov Derech HaKadim, which faced eastward, which was the first gate he described. And also, Uve Ma'alot Sheva Ya'alubo. And this is a very common mystical number. There were seven stairs within which, when you walked through the gate, you walked up seven stairs. Ve'ilamov Lifneham. And the vestibules into which you walked were in front of those stairs. And after you walked up those stairs, you entered into the vestibules. So this, I'm going to stop here. This was verse 22. Next uh, podcast, we're going to start from verse 23 and complete this chapter. I know that this description isn't, doesn't seem that exciting to you, but I, it's very important to think of it on the mystical level that I've been describing. And when you think of it that way and you understand it that way, then it starts to make sense and it has to have a mean, meaning to it. So close your eyes if you can when you listen to these words. And let it and and let the imagination of Ezekiel, which is now being directed by God Himself, the Yad Hashem, and the mystical experience of Ezekiel, where he's being led by this angel who is showing him these measurements, try to go with him through these stages as he describes what he is seeing, as he is so far entering the outer courtyards of the third temple, as he approaches the mystical vision of God. Thank you so much for studying together 40A. Looking forward to studying 40B and the rest of the book of Ezekiel together.